The role of the modern day pastor and ministry leader is changing. More and more pastors around the world today are ministry leaders who are doing multiple jobs and wearing multiple hats. They are bivocational or co-vocational leaders. They may be pastors looking for creative ways to use their church or staff to create income and revenue for sustainability. They may be ministry leaders who are looking for ways to launch for-profit initiatives or integrate innovation into their organization. They may be those who want to do missions globally and find creative ways to create sustainability. Or they may be marketplace leaders who are called to stay in the marketplace, but want to be part-time pastors, lay pastors, start ministries or nonprofits. This is the age of the new ministry leader. They wear different hats and do different things. They are technologically savvy and global. They are who God is using to make an impact in cities and communities around the world. This is the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast, and these are their stories. Hey everyone, Tommy Lee here. I am the Managing Director of Together LA, and we are here talking about the listening tour, Together LA's podcast, and we are here with Pastor Eric Lowe, Senior Pastor, Community Christian Alliance Church. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well, Tommy. How are you doing? Good. Hey, well, this is our first time meeting each other. We have yeah. a mutual friend in one of your elders, Dr. Richard Yuck. And so I'm, he, look, he raves about you. So I'm really looking forward to just getting to know you and meeting you as a person. That's very kind. Looking forward to it. Hey, for those who are, one, your church is located in Granada Valley. Tell me a little bit about Granada Valley. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're up in uh, Granada Hills. It's in the northeast corner of the San Fernando Valley. Uh, the San Fernando Valley is a suburb of Los Angeles. It's up in the northwest of uh, downtown. Uh, it's it's where everybody lives to work downtown. So it's a lot of suburbs, a lot of people up here, 1.5 million, and um, that's where we're located. Yeah. Now, how is it within your neighborhood over Granada Hills? Is it what industry? Is it is it? I know a lot of times is it tech? Is it movie industry? What what, what kind of people are living in that area? Uh, we, we get a lot, all kinds of people up there. We've got people in medicine, in tech. Um, because it's a suburb area and L.A. is a commuter city, we've got a lot of people basing themselves there and driving all over the place. So in our church, even, we have a, quite a range of industries represented. Yeah. Now, for you as well, too, and especially in Granada Hills, is when you look at the community, what is going well in the community? Or what are the areas that, man... These are things that we're struggling with, homelessness, whether uh, violence, whatever it is. What are some of the good things, but what are the strengths and weaknesses going on in Granada Hills? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think maybe good and, and challenging are, are, are go kind of hand in hand. I mean, since you mentioned homelessness, maybe I'll just jump on that. You know, certainly being part of the greater L.A. area, homelessness is something that, that we struggle with. We've got folks that we see on the streets, folks that try to camp out on our campus. And, you know, we're trying to find ways to reach them. But some encouraging things that are going on there are that we have ministries in the valley who are intentionally doing really good work and trying to uh, do their part in addressing the homeless issues. So we've we've been partnering up with Hope of the Valley Rescue Mission. They're doing some tiny home projects that mm. show some real promise. And so we're, we're kind of planning and thinking about ways in which we can partner with them. Uh, and we have been in the past. And so, you know, we, we don't know what the Lord will do, but it's certainly, you know, there's challenges, but we're seeing good things coming from that. 
hold that thought about the tiny homes project because it spurred a bunch of questions that I want to hear a little bit about. But I want to turn it over to you and your journey. Born in Seattle, from that point on, lived in the LA area most of your life, graduated electrical engineering from UCLA. And then from that point on, you start, you got married and went to seminary. So give me a little thought, give me some insights in terms of your journey. Yeah, so, you know, um, I, I grew up here. I mean, I was born in Seattle. Yeah, I just mostly grew up here in L.A. Um, Christian family. Parents shared the gospel with me when I was a kid. I became a believer at a very young age. And, you know, as I went to college, as the Lord was doing things in my life, just continued to feel like the Lord had, had geared me and gifted me toward ministry. And it wasn't just me. You know, I, you know sometimes you, you kind of think that, oh, maybe I've got what it takes on your own. But Others around me, my church, they were encouraging me to consider this. And so, yeah, so I, after graduating college, I, I worked for a few years. I didn't think I was too ready to get into full-time ministry yet. Um, but after we got married, you know, my wife and I kind of thought, like, well, maybe now is the time. So, you know, decided to pack up everything two months into marriage and move out to Kentucky and start seminary. Yeah. After seminary, came back to, to Community Christian Alliance Church, and I've been a pastor here since... 2016. Now, Community Christian Alliance Church, was that your home church growing up? Uh, it wasn't. I'm from the east side of the of the of L.A. County. I'm out in the Walnut, Chino Hills area. But when my wife and I were dating, we were a part of this church. So we did have a previous relationship here. Got it, got it, got it. And so now you went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. You and I were chatting beforehand. You're also working during that time also in uh, a company as well, too? That's right. I, I was a part-time uh, consultant. Uh, that kind of helped, and that job kind of helped support me through seminary. The company was very understanding and, you know, worked around my schedule yep. to be able to support that. So I'm really grateful for the Lord's provision there. Let me ask you a quick question. I, I actually, there's a reason why I'm asking you a question. Why do you think the company was very understanding in terms of, uh, were they Christians? What what made them so understanding in terms of what you wanted to do? Yeah, that's a good question. They, they weren't Christians, the company, um, but I think they were... I'm trying. I'm trying to think. You know, I I don't. I I can't speak for them officially, but my guess is that the company was they just really liked good work, yeah. and my particular skill set was yeah. hard to find. And you know, thankfully, I was able to provide some some good work for them. Yeah. And so they said, well, you know, we've got projects that work with your schedule. Yeah. Let's, let's make it happen. Eric, the reason I asked that is I spent time in telecom, built cell towers for about 10, 12 years. And when I decided to go to ministry at night, just full-time uh, seminary, I talked to my bosses in the telecom. And he said, Tommy, you've been with us for a number of years. You have done an outstanding job. Whatever you need to do, go and do, and we will support you as much as you can because we know that you're going to be able to get the job done. It reminds me of Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah, older in life, wanted to build a wall, but he was cupbearer to the king. That king became his biggest donor and empowered him with all the papers and necessary equipment that he needed to rebuild the wall, all because you did a good work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's I think it's very significant for us as believers. You know, we believe that the work we've been given is a stewardship. We have to uh, steward it well for the glory of God. And you know, I think that. Even, you know, even if you're not a Christian, you understand the value of integrity, hard work, and there's, there's, there's good opportunities there. 
Yeah. I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, lead consultant, Amgen, management service consultant, all of that stuff. That is very rare for pastors I talk with because a lot of pastors I talk with have never really had that business experience that you do. Mm. And it's been a lot of times Bible college, four-year seminary, and the global missions or church or pastor. As you now are pastoring, you look back, what did that business experience, what did that marketplace leaders prepare you for being in full-time ministry as a pastor? Yeah, you know, certainly the Lord has a different story for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that my journey is prescriptive for everyone, but I am really grateful for the the men and women in my work that invested in me. I think the, when I look back now, um, the work it prepared me in a number of different ways. I, I, I've been blessed in a number of different ways. The work ethic. You know, coming out of college, I didn't really know what it meant to work a nine to five job or an eight to five job. Um, I, you know, was studying all the time and you kind of just sprinkle that throughout the day with no thought or care to deadlines really much. Um, but in, in, in the work, you have, you're responsible, you have to show up on time, you've got to yep. do the work. And, you know, those are kind of those soft, intangible skills that the Lord kind of graciously instilled in me um, since that time. I think being able to understand just firsthand what it's like to be a Christian in the workplace, the challenges that you face, you know, um, it's kind of abstract if you haven't had a chance to work yet. But um, being there, I, I, yeah, I, I can I can see that and I can empathize and understand understand that a little bit. Yeah. And you know, maybe finally, just being able to um, to be a little to to work within an organization. You know, we happen to be, I think, a medium-sized church. We've got a few pastors on staff, a few staff members, learning to work together with other people in a team. Yeah. You know, that's something that you, from day one, when you're working in a, in a larger corporation or even as a consultant, you've got to be able to, to communicate, to work well, to cooperate. And this, this, is, uh, this is something I think that I've been built into by, graciously by the work yeah. that I've been able to do. Erica, I'm not sure about you for, uh, I would probably also add on one of the things they taught me being in the working world is the importance of urgency. I had mm -hmm. to get a tower up in 180 days. Yeah. I had to report those numbers and those guys had to report it to Wall Street, AT&T, Verizon, everything like that. At the end of the day, if it was not up in 180 days, you had to answer for it. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times, the one thing I compare with the nonprofit or ministry is you don't have that urgency. Everyone is motivated by one thing. They need to make profit for the company. And you create that urgency through all that stuff, the pressure that comes upon it. Sometimes you just don't learn that over in seminary or in the church world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good observation. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, and even the pressure is, you see a lot of volunteers who come and say, hey, pastor, man, I, I've been traveling all week. I am stuck with just deadlines, deliverables. I got to report those numbers. My wife is mad at me. My husband's mad at me. The kids, I haven't seen it. I, I may need a break. A lot of times you you understand it because you were there. You have to deal with some of those balance all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work to work. And yeah. I totally, I get that. I am looking at your journey. So from that point on, 
you are, I mean, in, in some sense, I grew up in a Chinese church. So I do understand a little bit what you had to deal with. As soon as you graduated, it looked like you took a role of associate pastor, lead English pastor, then senior pastor, and work yourself up. In some sense, that is your typical story of an Asian pastor yeah. moving up from one thing to another. Talk to me about that journey, what you learn about Chinese culture, working with different congregations, and even now, how you balance all that. Yeah, well, you know, if you look at the LinkedIn profile, it sounds pretty typical, but actually I, I think that my story here at this church is a little more atypical than most because I came in as an associate pastor um, and part of the reason why I was brought in is because the previous senior pastor was thinking about retiring. And in his mind, you know, it was like a three to five year timeline. And so their desire, the church's desire was to bring on an associate, have him learn the ropes, you know, have a bit of a long three to five year uh, training period or transition plan period. Well, the Lord had other plans because the Lord called our senior pastor overseas 15 months into my uh, time as a pastor. And so from that point forward, I was uh, graciously uh, called to be the, the lead pastor of the church. Um, and uh, traditionally at our church, the lead pastor has also been the English pastor. And so I'm, I, I wear both hats here at a, at a Community Christian Alliance. Very good. Hey, tell me about Community Christian Alliance Church. Is it like I grew up in a church in Chinatown, uh, Chicago, where it was English, Mandarin congregation, uh, Chinese, Cantonese congregation. Tell me a little bit about the church. Yeah, it's, it's about the same for us. We've got an English congregation, a Mandarin congregation, and a Cantonese congregation. Um, the church was founded about 45 years ago. Um, and Maybe a little bit different story from many tri-congregational churches. Uh, it was the English congregation that planted the church, actually. And they added on the Mandarin and Cantonese congregation. Interesting. Not long, after, not long after the church was founded. Yeah. Hey, now, Eric, who planted the church? Was it a, a series of Chinese families? Was it, uh, how, how, did, how did the church start? Yeah, the church started with four, uh, four families, uh, one of whom is our mutual friend, Dr. Yuk. And they were living in the valley, but going to a church down in the San Gabriel Valley. And it was a bit of a commute. And they, they were praying about it, and they thought about it. And they thought there was a great opportunity for ministry in the San Fernando Valley. And there was a great opportunity for ministry in particular to Chinese families who were looking for a church that could minister to their kids. And so they decided to, their four families decided to plant a church in 1976 to uh, reach out to the second generation, um, maybe with first generation parents or something like that, um, folks in the San Fernando Valley. Very good, very good. And for you, if, and I, I would love for you to explain this for those who are listening, you are an ABC pastor. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that my parents were born overseas and I grew up here in the States and I happen to be a pastor. <laughs> yeah. And for those who are listening who are not, it's American-born Chinese. Like, That's I'm, right. I'm American-born Chinese. That's right. And for those, my parents immigrated to the U.S. in 1972, but I was born here. But I was raised by immigrant parents versus it's so different because your kids now are raised by you who grew up in America. And so a lot of times go coming in, my parents were very poor. They had to learn English, all of that stuff. And we grew up in a different lifestyle than my kids are growing up now. That, that, that's, that's absolutely right. And 
you know, if, if I if I may just kind of make a pitch for that, you know, American born Chinese ABCs like us, you know, I, I think the Lord has really given us a great stewardship in that bicultural heritage. Yeah. We have the unique ability to understand two cultures instinctively. You know, other people, they take years of cultural study if they go overseas to understand another culture. It takes some time to acclimate, you know, but folks like us, we can we can switch that thing on and off without even without a without skipping a beat. Yeah. And so there is great, I think, opportunity for American born Chinese for second or even any kind of second generation immigrant uh, for the gospel. And we yeah. have unique skills and, and talents to steward uh, to be cross-cultural in many different capacities. Yeah, 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 yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of times I grew up in a culture because I'm 43, you're about 35, is I have baby boomer parents who work blue collar jobs for the longest time. And so a lot of times as I understood where they were coming from, but for them, the Asian family, the importance of culture, hard work, respect, all of that really developed me into who I am right now, mm -hmm. good or bad. Mm -hmm. And in some sense, actually, even in terms of this racial conversation that we've been having, mm -hmm. I don't always understand it because, Eric, what my parents always told us, because we were always picked on growing up, I was one only one of chi five Chinese people in my neighborhood always mm -hmm. picked on. My parents mm -hmm. always told me, put your head down, ignored what they had to say, work hard and prove something and make a better life. That was always the narrative that you always had. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, hey, now for your, you, a lot of times is how have you had to counsel or minister or pastor your church and your congregation in both the Mandarin and Cantonese and English around this race dialogue that we're facing in LA or, or all over the US today? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know if I'm doing. A great job of that, or if I really have any answers beyond what uh, others who might be more uh, versed in this area would have to say. But I think we can, you know, I, yeah. Let me let me see if the, what what can I say about this. I think certainly the current situation affects different people in different ways. Correct. You know, it it it, it and that's due to a number of factors: the way, you know, the culture in which you grew up, the generation of immigrants yes. you are, yes, the, uh, your personal experience. I mean, you know, we're not we're we're kind of of the same generation, uh, Tommy. But you know, I grew up in an area that was like fifty percent Asian, and so I, even though I'm also second generation, my growing up experience is 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 a, is very different. And so, depending on your experience, I think we we just have to acknowledge that we've got different experiences. We bring different backgrounds to the table. And I think, you know, what what I've been trying and hoping and praying for is that we continue to just go back to the gospel, that whatever it is that we uh, wrestle with, the grief, the pain, the fear, the anxiety, um, solutions, paths forward, empathy, all of these things find their grounding and their uh, fruits from the root of, of the gospel. And so, you know, I think if we if we start there, we keep bringing ourselves back there. You know, I trust that the Lord will bear fruit through us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love Tim Keller's term of the word gospel centered. How do we continue to center everything that we do, whether it's our work, everything, the whole idea of culture, all of that, 
based and rooted on the gospel in everything that we do. And so for you, how well, culture will play a role in it, but you're always bringing everyone into the gospel and focus on the gospel. That's right. Yeah. But with that said, though, I mean, uh, running a multi-congregational church, a lot of people who are watching this, have ne- they can't understand it. They don't know how it operates. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the experience. What does it mean to be a senior pastor of a multi-congregational church? How does that look like in your leading, in your preaching? How does it look like in your interaction with different people? Yeah, well, it, it's it's certainly a unique challenge. It's a unique challenge because of the, the nature of immigration and immigration patterns across the U.S. You know, sometimes people ask, like, why don't you just have one church? Yeah. Well, the, the challenge is that, like, let's say you've got an immigrant family. Parents speak one language and the kids speak another. How are you going to teach them? How are you going to uh, have them worship? What yep. language are you going to sing? It's yep. really challenging. And so... I think maybe the first thing to say is that while it is a challenging and a unique kind of situation that we've got with three congregations, it's a challenge that I think we ought to embrace for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom, because we have a unique opportunity to minister to immigrant families. And so, you know, I think there's, um, but, you know, apart from that, I think a lot of the challenges would be pretty familiar to folks in other kinds of churches or maybe so-called regular kinds of churches or something like that. You've got cultural preferences. You've got communication challenges. You've got uh, theological differences in some cases. And you know what we what we do at our church is that we we build into we try to build into invest in our relationships with one another so that we tackle those challenges together. It's not you know one congregation versus another or anything like that, but it's all three congregations trying to move in the same direction and minister together and to face those challenges head on together. And so at our church, I'm, I'm the senior pastor. I'm also the English congregational pastor. We've got a Mandarin uh, lead pastor and a Cantonese congregation lead pastor. And the three of us uh, work in close concert with one another, with the uh, board of elders of each congregation. And we, and we you know, we have t- tough conversations. Yep. We, have, we, we, we face difficult situations, and, uh, but we, we do that together. And wouldn't you say a lot of times, for again, for those who are listening, even though we're, uh, I'm not sure where your history of your parents are, Eric, is those who are Chinese from China are very different from those who grew up in Hong Kong, who is very different, not from Chinese people, but Taiwanese people in Taiwan who insist they're not Chinese, but they're Taiwanese, which is different from the folks in Shanghai. They're very, very different, but we all look Chinese. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times how we rose, it's like a lot of times is the Chinese in Chicago is probably a, very, a little bit different from the Chinese in Dallas or Austin, Texas, which is very different from the Chinese in Los Angeles. Our, our culture, everything plays a role into making us who we are today. That's, that, that's, that's absolutely right. I, I, and, and, you know, you, you look on the outside, it's just languages. That, that are that are different, but there's cult, there's tons of cultural differences, like you said, depending on even the place of, in the world you immigrated from, that we have to that we have to uh, work together with. Yeah. Hey, talk to me a little bit. I mean, as we wrap up, I want to talk about the church's relationship with the community as well, too. You talk about your your partnerships. You guys talk about some of the things that you guys are doing in the city. You're talking about small homes or tiny homes, all of that. Where do you see your church? How does your church engage Granada Hills? How does it engage community? 
You know, it's a really good question. And it's a question that we're trying to figure out the answer to ourselves, because honestly, we've only been in Granada Hills for less than two years. Well, where were you at before that? Previously, we were in Northridge. Interesting. Okay. We moved to Granada Hills at the end of 2019, and we were in our new property for not three months before the pandemic hit. Really? Wow. Okay. Okay. And so actually right now, our church is going through a process of intent. You know, we, we, we have some time during this pandemic. And so last year, we decided to initiate a, and in partnership with another ministry called Sita Oaks, uh, an, an assessment of the surrounding community so that we can be very intentional about the kinds of projects we undertake to serve the community around us. We're, we've not been in Granada Hills very long. We don't really know precisely all the needs that are around us. And so we think it'd be good for us to to get a better lay of the land before we just start jumping in the deep end. Yes, you know, that is so, so key because one of the things my seminary professor has always taught me, I love what you're doing. He says, Tommy, are you a student of the context that you're serving in? Are you listening? Because God already has a plan for that city, that community. Your job is not to come in and take over but to listen to what God is doing and how you can be a part of it. And it takes time to listen. It, it absolutely does. And there's lots of wonderful churches that are serving the same community as us. And so yes. we're trying to find ways, you know, not to, you know, to partner pro- appropriately, not to reduplicate work, but to, to really see what the Lord would have us do here for the long haul. How, how is your assessment looking like? Are you, is the assessment done? Are you guys still in the midst of doing it? We're still in the midst of doing it. We probably got another three to four months. We're, uh, hoping to have some conclusions to present to the church by the end of the summer. Speaking of that, when you say assessment, what does that assessment look like? What, what happens during this assessment? Are you hiring outside consultant? Is volunteers from the church doing this? Uh, it's volunteers from our church with the help of an outside uh, church consulting company. They give us the structure, they give us the help. And what we do is we, we have volunteers who organize and the, the bulk of the work is going out into the community and just talking to people, correct, getting a, getting a sense from the people themselves what their needs are. Very good, very, very, very good. Uh, how are is the church reacting to it? Do they like that? Is is that because I would say sometimes with the, in the Chinatown community or Chinese community, it is so easy to stay within that community, and it can be a stretch to push those guys out to see and hear what God is doing in in and around that community. You know, um, and I, I cannot take credit for this because I'm, I'm relatively new to the church. But one of the most remarkable things I've, I've learned about our church is that they love to reach out to people. Good. They are excited. They are eager. They're chomping at the bit to get to get to work. Uh, we've been doing a lot of different things in the past, and we're trying to, to kind of focus our efforts and try to get, a, you know, really step out in the right way in our new community. I think. I think everyone's really eager to do that. Very, very good. Hey, um, Granada Hills, what's the makeup, uh, racial makeup? What's the diversity factor within that neighborhood? You know what? I don't know right off the top of my head. I think we've got a pretty good mix of of white, uh, Latinx, Asian. Um, I think those are the three. I'm trying to remember the stats off the top of my head. Those are the top three populations culture-wise. Hey, after this is done, I'm going to bring you back and we're going to actually uh, do a, another separate interview on what you learned through the assessment. It is exegeting your community. It is breaking down your community and see how God is at work. 
I would love to do that. Yeah. And is the plan then you present it to church, the elders and community, and then now through your local missions budget, whatever it is, how do we best serve and engage the community? Is that the, hopefully what that plan is? Yeah, that's the plan. I think our hope is to start up maybe one or two key ministries that will really invest in for the long haul, for the, for the, for the good of the city. Got it. How about globally? What does that look like globally for you guys as a church? Well, globally, we're currently focusing our global missions efforts on those who have no access to the gospel. Yeah. And so, you know, thankfully, again, I can't take any credit for it. I came into a church that has a robust history of supporting missions. And we are uh, hoping to send out some folks in the near future. We've take, we've been supporting some new work that's been going on. And, you know, there's so many people groups around the world that don't even have the Bible in their language. Yeah. And so we're really hoping to, to, to focus our, our, our uh, new ministry efforts, global missions-wise, in that space. And last and final question, when we get back together or one day I'm going to sit there in person, meet with you, when we sit down and talk again a year from now, what are you, what is your hope? What is your vision for the church's role in making a difference in your community? Yeah, my hope is that our assessment will have, will have completed and that we'll have not only started some really good work, but that we'll be seeing some fruit from it. I would love to see you know, a year from now, our community say, start to say, we're so glad that CCAC moved into Granada Hills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Pastor Eric Lowe, Senior Pastor, Community Christian Alliance Church. Hey, thank you so much. I am so glad Dr. Richard Yook introduced us and looking forward <laughs> to talking with you again. Likewise, Tommy. Thank you. Talk soon. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Grow Center's Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Grow Center channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with the Grow Center on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Center Network and our website at www.thegrowcenter.com. See you next time.